Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. We're doing uh, week three of our AMA here on the podcast. And basically what this is, is I'm getting a bunch of questions on LinkedIn about everything related to marketing, and we're answering them on the podcast. So if you have questions that you want answered or you're curious to hear my thoughts on, send me a LinkedIn DM with your question and we, we will probably feature it right here on the show. Um, we, we have a bunch in the backlog here that we're working through and uh, eventually we'll get to your question and maybe in one of these future episodes. So definitely shoot that over and you might get yourself featured. So to kick this off, the first question I have is from Marcelo. Um, any examples of B2C companies I can get inspiration from uh, to apply to the B2B world? Um, Man, there's a lot. So for one, Apple, I think is huge. They just really focus on the quality and the experience. And they have a massive brand that's just continuing to grow to this day. So I think there's a lot you can pull from them. Um, Coke, they're tried and true. And if you think about it, their brand is also huge. It's insane how well they've been able to maintain what they've started. They haven't gone down a bunch of bunny trails. And I think that that can really be um, applied to the B2B world as well, because we tend to get distracted with our marketing and our brand, and we want to go a ton of different directions. If you look at Coke, they still have that same um, cursive looking uh, logo. They're the same retro look. And uh, I think that can be said to a lot of B2B brands that just kind of are all, all over the place. Um, Wendy's is a really good one. Um, I don't really eat their food, but their Twitter game is hilarious. Um, so what they're doing is like, they're just like clapping back to people. They're posting funny things. They're interactive and they get a ton of engagement for it because they're like a real brand. They're real people doing things. And I think that the B2B world can learn a lot from just the way that Wendy's and even Burger King, um, I've seen them do it too interact with their consumers on social media. I think it's genius and the B2B world, they they don't do it and they're just boring stick in the muds a lot of the time. Like it's okay to have some liberty with your social accounts, be a real brand, um, have some fun with it and be engaging. Um, the NFL and the MLB, I'm a big sports guy, so I enjoy following what they do on, on social networks as well. They they just make a point to make someone's day, right? These these accounts have millions and millions of followers, yet they respond to a few key comments and they're they're funny back, they're, they can be snarky and just like kind of like give a couple jabs, but it's really fun to go in and read and be like, wow, they took the time to do this. And it just builds to the brand and the brand awareness of what these huge organizations do. Um, they have TikTok accounts, they have Instagram accounts, they're commenting on Facebook, they're everywhere. And it's, it just goes back to like, you need to be a true human with your connection. And it, I know it's so cliche, but the human to, human to human connection is huge and the B2B world is lacking it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that comes to mind. Um, well, for example, this is, this is funny. So there was, um, 
a TikTok video that went up about from this this random account, and this girl says, "Hey, I am going to redesign logos for some of the major brands across the country. I think their logos are horrible, and they need a lot of work." So she took, for example, the NFL. Um, she took like the Detroit Lions and, and a bunch of these huge brands, and she on uh, in her video made a new logo for the brand and she used like paint microsoft paint or something and just absolutely obliterated these logos and they look horrible but the whole joke is it's like you know it's funny like obviously she sucks at graphic design but what's funny is these brands took that logo that she made they screenshotted it and then they made it their actual logo of all their social media networks and i'm not sure if it's still there but for example the nfl changed theirs it was like this random picture drawn in paint of like Peyton Manning uh, copy and pasted with like a football drawn and that's their new logo, right? The Detroit Lions, she said, I just don't like how they have a lion on the front when they're the Detroit Lions and then she drew lines. They screenshotted that and put that as their, their social media icon, their logo. And it's just so funny how these brands interact, they have fun and they're real people and that's a really good example of, um, you know, how you can get into that and just be real as a brand. Um, so that's my rant on how B2C companies need to impact the B2B world a little bit more. So hopefully that helps Marcelo. Um, all right, Jackie. Uh, I do agree that it seems like much easier for personal, or do I? Okay, do you agree that it seems like much easier for personal brands to build a connection with your buyers than company brands? Yeah, 100%. Um, so people buy from people first and foremost. Um, if you think about the engagement that you get on, um, Elon Musk's Twitter account compared to Tesla's Twitter account, it's a huge difference because people are attracted to the human interaction, the human connection. If you take, for example, um, our LinkedIn company page, which has, you know, it's kind of an experiment at this point with like 700 followers. Um, not much engagement compared to the personal brand that I've been able to build. The the results are night and day. You can do this over and over again with um, employees from Gong, employees from Drift, employees from Gravy, Refine Labs, Sweetfish Media. These are all companies that are killing it online with these personal brands of people in their company just talking about things they're passionate about on LinkedIn. And they get way more engagement on those almost like micro influencer accounts than you ever would on a company brand, um, you know, LinkedIn company page. And that's not to say that you, you shouldn't have those company pages. I do think you need them, but it's way easier to build an audience with almost like your brand ambassadors instead of a, a company page that has no face. Again, we go back to people want that human interaction and people ultimately buy from people. Scott asked, um, other than LinkedIn, where do you think founders hang out? Uh, that's, that's a great question. And I think it does really depend on the industry. Um, I would imagine Facebook, uh, definitely Twitter, um, maybe even Instagram. What I would recommend with this, though, is talking to a bunch of your ideal customers and just finding out. You could do a poll and put some paid budget behind it. Um, you could literally start a podcast 
and in your podcast, that could be one of your questions just to kind of keep it in the conversation. They wouldn't even realize, but you bring your ideal customers onto the show. You get to know them. You have them speak about what they're passionate about. One of the questions can be like, man, if you could spend any time on social media, where are you today? Where do you spend time from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m.? And they could be like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm normally on Facebook. That's where all my friends and family are. That's where you should be creating content for or, or putting a paid budget behind. Um, one of the best things that you can do is just have a deep understanding of your customer. And that's really what empathy is. Empathy isn't um, trying to get along or agreeing with your buyer. It's simply understanding them at a deep level and finding out where they hang out is all part of that. It's all part of having empathy for them. So um, get creative. It might just mean simply asking them. Um, Bill, I'm curious if you don't get any content, where slash how do you generate leads instead, assuming you're not in an industry that lends itself to product demos? Okay, so how do we get leads if we're not getting comment, uh, content? Good question. Um, for us, we actually get a high, we get high quality inbound leads um, that are pretty much ready to buy because they're familiar with our brand. Um, we get them through LinkedIn, almost probably 90% of the time they reach out through DM or they come directly through our website. And when we ask them, why did you reach out or how did you find us? It's because they've been consuming either my content or our company pages content on LinkedIn or they're list they've been listening to our podcast. And normally it's a combination of the two. And the podcast is starting to actually pick up some steam where we actually hear more and more in conversation. Yeah, you know, I've been listening to the podcast. Um, and between those two things, we get these high quality inbound leads that are ready to buy because they're familiar with us. I've had people hop on a sales call and say to me, oh, this is like I would say, hey, good to meet you. And they're just like, honestly, I kind of feel like I know you already because I've been listening to your podcast. This You sound just like you do on the podcast. And that's just proof to me that like brand can win. You don't have to be gating content and cadencing people with these these salesy emails, trying to get them to, to get a demo or whatever it may be for, for your, uh, your org. It can literally just be playing the long game. Um, so we've built a community and real relationships and that takes a mindset shift and it takes a lot of time. I can't say that it happened overnight, um, but to me, I want our culture to be like, when you're ready to come to us, you do come to us. We don't have to be this, this outbound engine. We can just sit and wait and play the long game. And that's why we've ungated everything. And you can do it in stages. Let's say that you don't want to, you know, do it all of a sudden. Try ungating a couple things, posting some content to LinkedIn, um, putting some paid money, uh, paid budget behind an advertising campaign on Facebook that doesn't get you an email address, but it's really just awareness. Try a couple of those things and eventually your goal should be, hey, everything is ungated. We have case studies on our website. You don't have to put in your email address for them. Just consume the content and educate the market. And that's exactly what we've been working on doing. And it, again, it goes back to the community and the real relationships that you're building. Paul asked, there's a theme here, by the way, a lot of ungated content questions. So Paul asked, um, so where should we be placing ungated content? Ideally, you want the user to be going to your site uh, still because you want more traffic. So resulting in better SEO, okay? Um, but we all know it's easier to just post on social but that will not result in website traffic. Um, 
I would actually like to challenge that. So ironically, when done well, um, if you're posting really good content to social networks, whether it's organic or a paid strategy, you will indirectly drive traffic to your site. It might not be immediately. It might be a couple weeks from now. But if your content delivers, if you've created value and people you know, enjoy the content, eventually they're going to check you out, right? For example, Gong has never asked me to go to their website, but I really like their content. It's fun and engaging. It you know, teaches some sales stuff. I have gone to their website because their content, not because I signed up for an email list uh, for, an ungated, for a gated piece of content. Refine Labs. They have never put out a gated piece of content that I gave them my email address, yet I've been to their website numerous times. I know exactly what they do because their content delivers, it creates value, it's piqued my interest, and it's helped me become a better marketer. Same thing with Drift, right? All of these these companies that are putting out content at scale, I know exactly what they do. I've gone to their website. So I would challenge that just because you're not gating your content doesn't mean that people aren't going to be going to your website. So when you're consistently giving away free content in an awareness channel like LinkedIn, that's helpful, educational for your ideal buyer, you're going to create an affinity toward your brand and people will check you out. They're, they're not dumb. They're going to know how to get to your website and eventually that will lead to more traffic. It has for us. Um, yeah, ultimately it's going to lead them to your website down the road when they're ready uh, because you're the first and possibly only person that comes to mind they're, they're even going to buy. So not only will they be coming to your website, a lot of times they're going to be ready to buy because they've been consuming your content. So hopefully that helps. Um, all right, moving on. Esther, uh, many experts believe there should be no barriers in the hero section of a website uh, at all, even punctuation, because it interferes with the consumption of content. What do you think? Um, I, I, I do agree with the, the least amount of barriers as possible. Um, not really sure I'm on the same page with like punctuation necessarily. So if you're listening to this, the hero section of a website is basically when you land on a company's website and you don't scroll, all you see is a header, maybe a, a call to action button, image, etc. That's the hero image. So what Esther is asking is some people say that you shouldn't even have a lot of punctuation. Um, I would say that I wouldn't go that far. I know like you don't want a lot of commas. And what I mean by commas are we do this, 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 because then you're just going to dilute like what you actually do. So maybe that's what you mean by by punctuation. But remember, you need to be careful not to overcomplicate your marketing. So if you removing as much punctuation as possible increases demo requests by 0.001%, is it really worth the A-B testing and all the work you put into that and the resources that you, you know, allocated to figuring out if punctuation is really going to affect the hero section of your website? Is it really worth it? Now, as a SaaS company, probably not. But if you're, I mean, Amazon, for example, if they were to do that, they're doing billions of dollars in business. If they were to get an increase by 0.001%, yeah, that would be worth it. I'm not going to do math here to figure out how much that would be because that would embarrass me. Um, I'd be here a while. But anyway, again, don't um, overcomplicate your marketing and don't overthink it. And I think a lot of marketers tend to do this. Um, 
like I said, is probably not going to make that much of a difference in the SaaS world. Um, you definitely need a clear hero section. You need it to be concise, but going down to like punctuation and how much is there, um, I wouldn't overthink it. Shauna asked, um, did you ever have a time in your career where you found it difficult to say no? How did you break that cycle? Yeah, um, this is something I still struggle with and I have a hard time for sure, whether it's over committing because I'm super non-confrontational or I'm kind of like pressured by peers, not them saying I have to do something, but me seeing what other companies are doing, what other marketers are doing and wanting to implement that as well um, in our company. And you have to pick a couple of lanes and stick to them and just say no to the other things. So uh, as a business owner, for us, we used to be an agency that did everything. Um, our, our motto was like, if a customer comes to us or a buyer comes to us and they need X, we tell them we can do it and we figure out how to do it. Um, which from a business standpoint is actually a very, very poor way to run a business. We don't do that anymore. But we found our lane, which is web development um, and web design. And we have stuck to it. And we say no to everything else that possibly the agency world does, which is copywriting, SEO, um, other marketing campaigns. We just, we're not going to do that. And we stick to what we're good at. And that's an example of us saying no. And we've done the same thing with our marketing. Um, we only recently started a YouTube channel and it's more of an experiment right now. Like if you went to it, there's like two videos, right? Eventually there will be more. But we've been told over and over and over and over again for years that you needed a YouTube channel. We hadn't started it. We focused on our podcast and we focused on LinkedIn. And then every week we send out a, a um, marketing email, right, to our email list. Those are three things that we hammer hard and we say no to everything else. We're not on Instagram. We're not posting on Facebook. We're not, eventually we'll be posting on TikTok. I, I do think that would be fun, but again, for now, it's no until we have the resources and the commitment to do it. So we're not spreading ourselves too thin. So no, no matter how good an opportunity looks, like for example, TikTok looks great. I'm sure there are some other platforms. Twitter possibly could be good for the B2B world. You need to master a couple things really well, whether that's in business, in marketing, in your sales strategy, whatever it, it may be. And then you stack the growth on what's already working when you have the proper resources, money, time, and team. Um, so that's how I would address that. All right. Um, Kevin, I'm kind of with you. Here we are again on the ungating. Um, I'm kind of with you on ungating content, but here's so many talk about the importance of getting that email address. What are your thoughts? Uh, I would ask you, like, what are, ask yourself, why do you want the email address to start with? Is it to cadence the heck out of someone? Is it because you want to immediately follow up with an SDR? Um, there are, there's honestly so many tools out there that scrape email addresses off the internet. Um, Seamless AI is one that comes to mind. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones for the B2B world. Uh, you can get contact for people really cheap. And a lot of times you're better off just doing that if you're really just trying to feed an SDR farm with email addresses. Um, I'd rather let our content get consumed with no strings attached. And then when slash if the person is ready to buy, they're going to reach out, right? You're going to educate the market at mass instead of trying to get an email address for someone who's not even ready to buy 
or even in the market to buy, right? And I've heard so many other cases where this has worked beautifully for other companies. Um, and it's working for us. Again, we don't gate content, yet people are coming to us inbound, ready to buy and excited to buy from us because they've been consuming our content and listening to our podcast. So that's the proof right there that you know it does work and you don't necessarily need the email address. Um, a lot of times that's a lot of times that's when the the organization is structured 100% wrong where you know you're feeding all these leads to these SDRs that are trying to the, whether it's phone or email, right? And it's not something you can necessarily change as a marketer because that's above you in the C-suite where it's like this is the culture or the way the organization was built. Um, so unfortunately, it, you might be in a tough spot with that, um, but hopefully that helps. Catherine asked, isn't it sometimes appropriate to gate content? Uh, like for a paid course, uh, that's content. First, you have to add enough pre-sale value for free so that they get to know you, like you and trust you. But if your product is information, then eventually you have to gate some of it, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. If I mean, if it's a paid course, obviously you have to gate that. Um, but I would... I would challenge you to chop up like the content in the paid course and put some of it out. Um, obviously, if that's like the business model is to make money off the paid course, um, you can't give away everything. You would like to to have some uh, income there. But yeah, there are some instances, excuse me, there are some instances where you do need to gate the content for someone to get into the community, to get into the course. Um, so it's more of an exclu exclusivity feel. Um, so there's some definite nuances to that. All right. Wrapping up here. One last question from Todd. Um, my only thought is you can't give away content forever, especially if you're a content creator. Uh, it can create quote tire kickers. If you aren't careful, what's wrong with charging $9, for example, per month for your best content? Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, my main point is you shouldn't gate content you're distributing for awareness and demand purposes. So if your content is trying to educate the market as to why you're doing things differently, as to why your company would actually be able to help them succeed, then why would you make it harder than it needs to be for someone to consume it, right? If they're truly interested in what you're doing, they will reach out. You don't need to follow up with the email cadence. And that goes back to like the trap of getting the email so people can follow up, right? They will follow up and they will come inbound to you when they're ready if your content delivers and shows them a better way to do things with your product, right? And that's the whole premise behind this. Um, so can you go create a course with your best content for nine bucks? Uh, Justin Welsh does something similar with that. And he makes a killing, right? That's he's an entrepreneur. That's what he does. So there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I would I would just say for clarification again, if this is for like awareness based, or if you're trying to create demand for uh, your your organization, then that's the content that shouldn't be gated. Um, I think we're way past that uh, in the marketing world. So that's all I have for um, what is this week three of the AMA. Um, Again, if you have any questions that you want answered or you're curious to hear uh, my thoughts on, simply send me a, a DM on LinkedIn. We will add it to the show notes and definitely get you featured one of these weeks. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening. Appreciate you tuning in and all the questions that have been submitted so far. You guys are awesome. And I appreciate you all listening. See you 
hopefully next week.